0: day everyone welcome back to another friday wrap um as always we are here to have a bit of event about what's going on this week and what's been fascinating around what's been happening around the world um especially in the property commodity um investment spaces i'd say and um you know things are changing very very fast and uh you know we try to us we try to make sense of things and a lot of times we don't necessarily able to but then again um, you know, with with some smart minds between us, I reckon we usually work something out. So uh gents, it's another Friday. How are you both doing?
1: I am really good, David. Thanks for asking. And it's good to see you guys or oh, good to see people around on the zoom
0: <laughs> this is a new norm mate. this is a new norm we talked about we talked about meeting up um at one point in time halfway when we hit certain uh downloads but um yeah i think that's going to struggle for the time being uh, so <laughs> maybe 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 in a few years time maybe in a few years time but the way, um,
1: the way it's going looks like
0: <laughs> we don't have to wait the good thing is we don't have to wait because technology basically bridges the the distance right so that's all good and john how are you doing
2: I, good, uh, Dave. Good, uh, Jazz. I'm, you know, great. I mean, the weather's turned good here. Spring, beautiful. Oh, it's a beautiful. beautiful
0: day today in Sydney, isn't it? got to say. Warm weather. Um, you know, I think, I think it's, uh, it's, looking, it's looking good, just like the prices, the housing prices <laughs> yeah. that's still currently going, right? <laughs> and when everyone thought that, well, it's already expensive enough, but, um, you know, it continues to surprise all of us. All of us, um, and uh, you know, I know, Jazz. You mentioned you were you were talking to Andrew Newen, who's uh, I think one of the uh, one of real estate agents around your hood in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, what was his feedback at the moment around uh, around around your area?
1: Yeah, man, it's amazing what's going on in the markets. I mean, uh, we all know that the market in general is hot, but the few of the things that he mentioned, which uh, really took my uh, took me by surprise, was one people in this lockdown are just buying the site unseen basically Mm, mm. Uh, or they've got the videos that they look at on the real estate and whatnot uh, but there's no real inspections so they're just happy to buy the site unseen and there's still plenty of buyers against each of the properties uh, if you're in the right area Uh, so that was pretty surprising the demand is still so hot during the lockdown period uh, just using the tech to do the transactions without seeing the site. I mean, Mm. investors are used to buying properties or let's say professional investors are used to buying properties without seeing the site. No surprises, right? But home buyers or first home buyers or owner occupiers, them buying the site unseen, they're doing it. That's the important thing. And the other thing that took me by well, whether I was well, I was surprised with when he quantified it for me. uh, What he said to me was, with his agency, uh, out of the hundred percent transactions that they are doing at the moment, seventy to eighty percent of the people. I'll repeat, seventy to eighty percent of the people are selling the property to move interstate.
0: Moving out of Victoria, basically. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So
1: that that just blew me away. Uh, that uh, I was I was literally blown away uh, hearing that. I'm like, any particular state? He goes, look. Generally, the answer is obvious over here, Queensland, uh, because of the work from home concept. The people are basically uh, trying to relocate to cheaper, better places. Uh, but he goes, obviously, other states as well. But with him. Seventy to eighty percent—that that's a big number. I
0: mean, it's huge. That is huge. Yep. Right. I reckon. Yeah, you got you guys got some good options. Um, Adelaide is also a very nice city to live, and it's not too far away from you <laughs> That's guys, right? So Brisbane, and, Adelaide. Mm-hmm.
1: And just to finish off, the third thing that he mentioned was that in the last six months, they have seen a growth of about fifteen to twenty percent. In the which 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 is no surprise. We have discussed those numbers. Yeah, but the way demand is going, and especially post the lockdown, whenever the COVID normal comes back into um, effect, where people can see the sites, I think the 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 pent up demand will shoot up once again um, because there's. Although there's a lot of transactions that are happening, but there's still a lot of, uh, I'm guessing, this part is a guess, That's still a lot of people who are holding on to buying property because they obviously want to go out and see traditional way of doing. So uh, long story short, I'll not be surprised if we see similar kind of numbers for the next year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's that, it it, it really is that fear of missing out. That's playing a huge factor at the moment right there's still a lot of people wanting to buy wanting to transact but no supply uh in essence and what's that's that's what's really continuing to drive the, the uh the prices up even during this period where everyone's getting locked up people potentially doing reduced hours as well don't forget that mm-hmm. if they're lucky to be able to work in that okay. sense um so, yeah, uh, it's pretty, pretty crazy the way I look at it. John, what are your thoughts uh, hearing that um, that bit of update?
2: Yeah, I, I broadly agree. I mean, the concept of um, whether demand is up or down for property, I think is an interesting one. And any anyway, because demand is demand is difficult to get our arms around because um, what's more important than how much demand there is, is what's the balance between demand and supply. I, I don't know if demand is up. Um, I just think that there's nothing to buy. That, that's what I'm personally seeing. I just think that there's a lack of supply. You know, some of the streets I walk around here, uh, it's usually lined with for, for sale or for, for lease signs and there's nothing at the moment. So I actually think that, I think demand's come off a bit for all the reasons, you know, there's been a, a, a kind of a knee to the groin of the economy, but there's even less supply. Um, I'm not seeing a lot of sight unseen, but I'm sure it's happening. Uh, what what I am seeing is a lot of compromises. So it, you know, because there's so little surprise uh, supply, <laughs> uh, because there's so little supply, it's like it's like a seagulls to a chip at the beach, right? So everyone's uh, descending on this one property, and what what they are doing is compromising on their uh, on, on some of the nice to haves. So they they're going okay. It's on a good size block. It's um, level, like you know, on, and a couple of key. But there might be a a bathroom coming off the living area and they go okay well I'm, I'm going to compromise on that because it's the only thing around for that size uh block and in that location so what i'm seeing is people are compromising on everything except location um and and i'm not saying see- yeah and i'm not seeing a lot of side unseen but I'm, I'm sure it's happening so yeah, it's okay. the supply demand balance that's out of whack at the moment
1: so do you think john one of the main reasons for the supply uh, being low could be that this with this whole work from home concept uh, people are just not that kind of people are more doing renovations and all um, instead of selling because obviously they need a place where they work where they can work from all of a sudden
2: uh, do you think that's one of the reasons that the suppliers dropped uh, well or? i i think that the reason the suppliers dropped is it's two related reasons one is that there's no desperate selling. There's people, the same people who needed to sell two years ago, or uh, the same reasons they're all selling. But because the interest rates are so low, everyone can manage their debt, and no one needs to sell. So everyone's saying, "Okay, well, lockdowns are temporary. I'll I'll sell my property when the market, turn, you know, when people can travel again." And, and the the main the so the lack of desperation means that people are saying, "I will sell when people can jump in their car." And travel across local government areas into the area where I'm selling my property. And unless they absolutely have to sell, what I'm seeing a lot is a lot of deceased estates at the moment because they they're just selling. But people who uh, aren't in a rush are not are not selling. And it's because the buyers can't. The buyers have to get permission to travel.
1: Mm-hmm. So they're basically waiting for the full potential of yep. the market before mm-hmm. they yep. before they go hard. Mm-hmm. The, yep. Okay. Fair enough?
2: I reckon it's going to come back hard when it does too. Um, we can we can go through the numbers and, and the reasons for that. But uh, So
1: actually, while we are on that, sorry, David, before we jump onto the next one. Um, so we know that we, the kind of growth that we have seen this year, right? And we have seen some of the stats that are published by various banks and other economists like Chris Joyce and all that stuff. Um, do we still think that the market will... Run equally hot or hotter next year, or uh, we'll see some kind of a plateau on the price.
0: Look, I think it's uh, you know, if, if talking about opening up the borders once the vaccination rate has um, uh, has got to a certain degree, right? So if they if they start doing that and things become COVID normal, based on what everyone and, and the discussion that we just had, I mean, I can't see it slowing down. To be honest, you know, there'll be more properties coming on the market pent up buyers who cannot transact at the moment due to certain reasons, they will want to transact um, when they're able to uh, in that instance, which is, which is going to have that demand coming back. So, you know, I reckon we're going to see some pretty spectacular numbers uh, once, once the lockdown has been eased. That's my gut feeling, but um, yeah, I don't know, John, what are your thoughts?
2: I, I basically agree. I, I think that the the lockdowns pause the market mm. and When the market resumes, it's just going to prolong this imbalance. It's going to prolong the boom, um, because there's essentially, you know, a three month, which is you know a quarter of the year, a three month cessation in um, any meaningful volume in real estate. Of course, there are still deals being done, and there are still properties being bought and sold, um, but it's much reduced volume. So. I think that uh, next year will be growth. It won't be twenty percent again. Like two, I don't think I've ever seen two years of twenty percent plus growth, so I don't think that'll happen. But will it be twelve percent? Will it be eleven percent? Something like that. Uh, so well above well above the long term trends, and I think that that will that will happen again next month. I think the I think po- politically and economically we can tolerate ten to 11 percent growth in a way that. Twenty percent growth is well beyond what is is reasonable for people to be able to keep up with, and what is politically feasible. So I think that they'll probably be okay with one more year of high growth, but not like this.
1: Crossing. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, we'll what do
0: you think, Jazz? I mean, you asked the question. We're we going to change? we didn't get a chance to get you to express your own opinions. I stuff.
1: am. Uh, I'll echo what you guys said. Uh, I actually think it's going to be pretty damn hot.
0: Do you reckon it's going to hit another twenty next year?
1: I think it probably go higher.
2: Wow. Why? Why? What? What? Why? What's the reason?
1: Just with what's happening in the market overall, in terms of the uh, money supply, in terms of the looking at what's going on in the US markets, in terms of uh, if the COVID, if the majority of the population gets jabbed, that means a lot more. Uh, transactions to be had, uh, which is the supply will come, but the demand will come even more on that. Uh, And plus, in general, people want to park their money somewhere, right? So the safest bet in Australia, Australia is real estate. So I think combined all that, I think it's, yeah, 20% Twenty percent, easy.
2: Wow, I, I must confess, I, I um, D- Dave and I did a we did a an event last year at the beginning of COVID, and I, I have it's on YouTube, and I sort of said that um, the market will peak out in twenty twenty six, and as the market got hotter and hotter, I started to doubt that. I started to say you can't go that hard until twenty twenty six. It might this might end in twenty twenty four, and it's still of course still of course possible. But when they relock down, and it pushes the and it sort of pushes the um, the economic transactions, it, like it's going to prolong this. Maybe my twenty twenty five twenty six peak number is actually going to end up being right. Um, yeah. Although, I, th- I thought yeah. it could it could taper out early because this is hard. Like this, the market is very hot, mm-hmm. very
1: hot. But I don't think it will. It may peak out in whatever year twenty four twenty five, but it won't run. At this pace for those yeah. many years, so I think we're probably going to see these two years uh, to be the probably uh, max growth mm. kind of thing compared to last lot of years going all the way
2: back. Yeah, it's just it's just to, to oh, sorry, to, just, just to listeners because I, I got asked yesterday by a client, you know, is um, are we at the top of the market? And mm-hmm. you, you know. I don't really know, and I've got my own personal uh, guesses that I convey on this podcast, but the the reality is I don't really know. But what I did say is that even if I don't think it's the top of the market, but if it is, that means we're four years away from the beginning of the next cycle. So you just ride the next cycle. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the way you've got to, if you're a young investor, I don't think you even worry about whether this is the top of the market. I just think it's either the, the top of the market, in which case we're four years from the beginning of the next cycle. In which case it's awesome, or it's not the top of the cycle. In which case, there's a couple more years to run. So, don't sweat it. <laughs> don't sweat it.
0: Just love yeah. it. Comes back to time. You try to try to time the market again, and whether they're buying at the, um you know whether they're buying at the peak at the moment, right? I think it's just uh, the typical mentality. Want to come in, buy buy low, sell high, that type of stuff. But uh, yeah, hold, hold the long term view, like we always said. Um, you know, it's always a good time to buy uh, when you can afford it in essence and that affordability is the key here um which talking about that um it's probably a good segue to go into the actual data um in terms of what core logic has published for august um just 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 released a couple of days ago still looking at some stunning numbers across the board um you know nation nationwide we're looking at uh, about 1.5 percent combined capitals uh, across all capitals um and this is talking about Sydney in full lockdown, Melbourne in pretty much half of a lockdown uh, period as well, um, drips and drabs of lockdown here and there um, as well. So you know it, it's having a devastating impact to the to the whole economy of the whole Australia. But um, yeah, the numbers are, are pretty staggering. Um, in particular, a few of them: Brisbane, two percent for the month; um, Hobart, two point three percent. For the whole, for the month and Canberra 2.2 as well so those three have been leading leading the charts for a while and there's no signs of them stopping at the same time um, Adelaide 1.9 for the month and Sydney 1.8 percent for the month you know and these are um, I've gotta say these are mind-blowing consider that we're being in lockdown and you know and just based on my personal experience I mean Sydney we've John, you know, like we are being we are being continuously locked down for the last four weeks, and still seeing a 1.8%. I was like, wow, how does that happen? Right? How does that happen?
2: Yeah, it's what 22% per annum. I mean, it's it's a quick tick. It's quick.
0: Yeah, it's it's scary numbers, but like you know, like and this just comes back to what we're saying. You know, it's it's not going to go on forever, um, but. In the short term, you know, when the borders, so when the lockdown gets, does get east, when the borders do open, it looks like these figures are still going to go and going to continue for a while because all of that pent up demand, right? And <clears throat> But uh, yeah, uh, any surprises from these numbers in terms of capitals? I mean, Canberra, Hobart, we kind of can understand uh, to, a, to a degree. Hobart's a lifestyle. Um, Canberra only just started to get into lockdown, I think, uh, the last week or two. So they're, they're, they're less impacted somewhat. Um, Brisbane, Adelaide, any thoughts on those numbers? Any surprises, do you guys think? No.
1: No, no I, surprises. I, I, I'm actually surprised that Brisbane is not at the top of the list, that Hobart still wins. Uh, but I guess there's a reason for that as well. So people, people obviously are picking Tassie for a reason, lifestyle, mm. to some extent, uh, relaxed, much more. Uh, all the Brisbane is already fairly laid back, so uh, doesn't surprise. It's just the numbers are mind blowing. That's all. <laughs> like if if the average price in Melbourne and Sydney is going to be over a mil or a mil, I mean Sydney is already shows mill. I think the last time I read Domain's update, the average price in Melbourne it showed was mill as well. I know this one says just shy of 800K, but where's the wage inflation? I'm wondering on that, that's all. There is no wage inflation just yet. And it has to come from somewhere. So, even though I get it, the rates are low and all, but.
2: Well, just just a couple of things for, for me. The first thing is that Perth is um, excluded from the data set and there's little, there's a, uh, from the logic data set. And there's a very interesting little caveat at the bottom. It says, you know, we're we're reviewing the Perth numbers now. Listeners to this podcast will know that a couple of weeks ago we were looking at the Perth numbers and saying it doesn't look right. Um, there, there's a commodity uh, boom there, and we've had, I think, David Hall, who's a buyer's agent, who, who comes on this podcast, and he's been saying, you know, the average time on market's about seven days. That it's hot, hot, hot. So it, it looks like it looks like they've the, the, you know, Core Logic's having a look at its data, and it's unhappy with its Perth data, and it's going to come back to us and um, perhaps revise it. So keep your eye on Perth when they do resume recording the Perth numbers, because um, Perth is probably much hotter than it uh, appears to be, mm. or it has appeared to be. So that that's super interesting. Um, I'd add a couple of other things. What one is that um, Melbourne's looked pretty vulnerable. And Now I know it's the on again, off again uh, shutdowns, but I also think that Melbourne's very immigration dependent, and without immigration, I think it's it's uh, um, not doing so well. In a way that Sydney is seems to be a bit more resilient. Um, so that that that's the other interesting thing I think as well. But but I think finally to conclude, it's probably Brisbane's time to shine. I know that we've been sort of talking about this for a while. A lot of pundits have been saying get into Brisbane. It it might be um might be that time.
1: I can see a smiling face. <laughs> yes,
2: not, not not me. I'm hoping that will come true, mate. But uh,
0: yeah, <laughs> like I said a few times, if Logan doesn't boom this time, I don't know what it will. Um, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> that's the That's it. But yeah, it's interesting. Uh, actually, John, very good point. Um, you, you, you did point it out. Yeah, I couldn't. I, I thought something was missing when I was looking at these figures and it was perf. Um, perf numbers went on here. Um, and um the other fascinating one was uh, Hobart actually surpassed the median value than Brisbane. So $639,000, mm-hmm. um, whereas Brisbane sitting at 612K. So I thought that was that was pretty interesting too. So, you know, echoing what you're saying, I reckon Brisbane will have a, probably have a good run. And I know uh, based on my clients buying around Brisbane at the moment, it's absolutely hot and crazy on the ground in Brisbane at the moment. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally.
1: Brisbane, Perth. Hobart, or Tassie in general. None of these kind of surprise, especially mm. uh, what was said right at the start of the podcast, speaking to some of the real estate agents that people are selling and flocking. So uh, Perth is a different story, obviously.
0: So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So watch this space next month when Perth resurfaces again and it'll be interesting to see what the figures are being the looking good, like. thing
1: is, good thing is CoreLogic, CoreLogic has finally started listening to this podcast.
0: <laughs> it's obvious now. Isn't it? Someone um, must have started making a complaint about it, should <laughs> I agree as well? So, yeah, yeah. nice one. I believe, right.
2: I believe someone did talk to them though. I did. Believe, I believe someone in Perth, yeah. uh, a body in Perth, did talk to them about the data, and so they've obviously been uh, obviously listening to Spark Your Fire as well as um, <laughs> that very direct uh, <laughs> uh, comment. <laughs>
0: uh, nice one, nice one, guys. All right. Well, okay. So that's that's the that's the figure for. Um, for August, um, and I thought um, uh, that which we talked about affordability, and you know, this is this is obviously showing that affordability to a degree is, is, is especially those numbers every month. You're looking at it compounding um, as well, so you know, it is not flat. It's compounding. It's compounding growth every month, and it's a scary number, um, right? If you if you look at think about the compounding effect. Which then kind of leads to an interesting observation that I know we we, we started talking about a, a few weeks ago um, in terms of the Black Rocks started buying out um, residential properties in the US and started becoming become a landlord uh, in a sense. And, and most recently, Macquarie Bank, has also started to march into this space. Yeah, they are, um, I quote here, a, a, small, a small expert excerpt from, um, from Jazz that you posted out here. Um, as young Australians think of a life not owning a home, Australia, because of affordability, as house prices go through the roof, Macquarie Bank is set to become a big landlord. The Australian reports, so that's the the Australian newspaper, reports that the Moon Factory, as in Macquarie is referred to, is set to become a player in the growing build-to-rent sector. The investment bank is making the move to become a residential landlord to generate higher and more steady returns from the property sector as more Australians plan to work from home, making CBD office space investments less valuable. So that's something that's interesting to, uh, I guess, to, to, to ponder on for a sec, because I know that, um, you know, the, the, these big organizations, BlackRock, Macquarie Bank, Westfield, Dexas, whoever, they've always, they've always had their investments on commercial properties, commercial properties, but, you know, started to see some of these um, these, these big institutions getting into residential space. Is, is, is something that's interesting to explore. And I thought, you know, that that probably, is, uh, you know, I'll open up the forum here uh, because I know that uh, you both are eager to jump on to talking about it, um, about your thoughts on this. But um, should we start off with BlackRock in the US um, to, to, to tackle a bit on that, just to give our, our listeners a bit of context about what's happening in there? And I think BlackRock actually started, that news, first of all, appeared around June this year. So it's been a good three months. We just haven't really jumped into it, but they started the trend and now Macquarie is, is, is hedging in. So what's really happening with BlackRock? Why is BlackRock actually buying up residential properties around these areas?
1: So I think the key uh, theme over there that when you read these articles, it always talks about build to rent, right? So, and and obviously work from home, right? So. Built to rent, It's. it feels like what's happening is that a lot of these big firms, like of BlackRock and all that work closely with the regulators, are acquiring the neighbourhoods, not the big commercial properties like the way they used to be a part of anymore, but more the neighbourhoods, uh, where they are building properties um, that are typically meant for investors, mom and dad investors, that they buy and then lease it out, like what the investors does. But I think they are trying to enter into this market and take away that share of mom and dad investors basically by going harder into the investor's market and paying the lot higher prices. Generally, if you read some of these articles, it talks about Black like likes of Black BlackRock and all, they're paying up to 20 to 30 percent more than what the actual price is, just to kill the competition. And they're not buying one or two houses, they're buying the whole neighborhood, basically. Right? Which tells you that that the future, first of all, is going to be more of a renter's nation than the uh buyers, I think. When I say future, I mean in coming generations, there'll be more renting than buying. Um, uh, and you will, own,
2: you will own nothing and you will be happy, uh jazz. <laughs> Where have I heard that?
1: Yeah, it's funny that we mentioned that last week, and this sort of ties back into that that you'll own nothing and be happy. Um, but surely they want to kick the mom and dad investors out of the market, that's pretty clear, and they want to take a pie in this space. Uh, purely because of one, uh, the, the growth that, will, that they will see in this market, and they are seeing in this market currently. Uh, and also with this new work from home concept where the commercial is not going to be as popular as it used to be in the past. Uh, so this sort of becomes a, I won't say semi-commercial, but work from home does become a little bit commercial. Uh, from the fund's perspective, so uh, all it tells you is that basically, if you if you're holding currently properties, that's great. If you can hold on to more, that's that's even better. But uh, the future is going to be very different, where the average mom and dad investors probably won't even be able to buy these properties, in my opinion. It will be all rent, and uh, uh what kind of assets they will hold in the future the mom and dad investors i don't know whether it's a stock market or whether it's the commodities or whether it's a cryptocurrencies, what it is but real estate is going to become uh the game of the big funds i think
2: yeah so the, the why question is an interesting one and i think there are two reasons for for the why 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 are these big funds getting into residential real estate, and not just like big apartment blocks, which is also residential. We're talking about houses, like single oh. family houses, which is really weird. So I think there are two reasons. One, um, you, you said it, Jazz, That that is that um, the writing is on the wall about commercial real estate. So these are big com- uh, uh, property trusts, big institutions trying to get away from commercial real estate because working from home means that the, the future's not as bright for commercial real estate. So they're, they're, they want to stay in real estate, they want that rental income, and they're going to move over to, to residential. Um, the, the second thing is something Dave said. you talked about, when you read the, the quote, you talked about steady returns. So where are you going to get steady returns from in an uncertain economy where governments occasionally lock down? Do you buy into businesses? And if so which business do you buy retailers of course not do you buy who knows right but what what's the one thing in 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 an uncertain world what's the one thing that you can rely on and that is residential real estate it's the in a sense the most boring investment out there but uh, in a in a world where you can't rely on any other asset class boring is beautiful so steady returns that you get from residential real estate and obviously we should we as sort of small investors should take a leaf out of these big investor books that you know it it might be extremely boring but residential real estate gives you certainty so the certainty that's that's the other reason um tying into that a little bit so they're the two reasons why i think it's happening but tying into this a little bit these big companies like blackrock and macquarie bank that they can borrow at like one and a half percent where we're all borrowing at two and a half percent. So there's a huge, um, huge advantage that these businesses have. Uh, and a lot of a lot of investment opportunities are profitable if you can borrow at one and a half percent. Even residential real estate, which is um, a very low yielding opportunity, it's profitable at one and a half percent. So if you can buy the sorts of scale that Macquarie bank could buy, but you can borrow at one and a half percent, they can make residential real estate profitable in a way that we as small investors can't make it profitable. Um, and so, the, so that, that's another that's another thing that that is going to be a trend. And I just want to kind of add one footnote to this conversation, because I was listening to an American um, podcast and they were talking about this very thing about BlackRock getting into residential real estate. And what they said was that the reason for that is that all the rent moratoriums, all the eviction moratoriums, or you can't kick a tenant out. Um, v- what happens is, you know, it becomes unfeasible for a small investor, mum and dad investors, to hold on to the real estate. Um, but who buys it? Well, the big in- big institutions buy those houses where the tenant isn't paying because they're the only ones who can afford to hold on to a hold on to a property without a, a tenant paying rent. So. A lot of it is to do with recent regulations that came in from COVID that, that exonerates the tenant from having to pay the rent. So, um, yes, regulations don't always help the little guy. Um, that that was their explanation. I think that's um, certainly part of it as well. Because if 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 the if the ownership of the property or property or your your right to get rental returns come into question. Um, it becomes a, a, a lot more of an uncertain invest, investment, and only big institutions can handle that uncertainty. Back to you in the studio.
0: I think that was uh, that 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 raises uh, the the interesting question about that jazz you mentioned before. So does that mean the real estate property is still a good investment with the rental Victorian and all that kind of stuff in? Right, you thought that you would have got control uh, to a certain degree, but under these kind of circumstances, we have seen that you are unable to kick out the tenant and you've been reimbursed for a portion, a small portion, if they do not pay, only a small portion of the rental from the government, which they could have stopped anytime as well. Right. So, you know, I, I think, I think that's why the, you know, the, the big institutions like these obviously see an opportunity. And as you pointed out, John, you know, they want to look at steady return, maybe to balance out their trust as well. You know, they they still put something in the in the steady, uh, sorry, in the in the risky investments, for example, cryptocurrencies and and you know, like the, the likes of shares and that kind of stuff. Um, volatile investments with, with potential returns that could that could make a bit of a loss, but at the same time, they're starting to put a bit more eggs into these secure residential properties um as well. So who knows? But um, yeah, that that certainly sounds very Feasible. It play. does
1: start to raise a question for the mom and dad investors, basically, whether it's mm. still a good in the future becomes a, from a, if you were to look at it from a yield perspective, whether it becomes, whether it's still as attract, attractive as it was. Because when we look at some of the uh, younger generations, uh, they, I think, are less interested in the property market and more interested in gambling at Dogecoin to some extent. So, uh it's a valid question.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I is. mean in
2: the modern in the modern world, the, the returns in real estate are too slow compared to so many other areas. So you've got to you've got to be that sort of you know, enjoy slow compounding growth with leverage. That's what real estate is, right? It's a get slow get rich slow scheme. Mm. But in comparison to crypto, it's it's relatively boring really.
0: <laughs> That's right. Never dull day in crypto or shares. To a degree, right so um, and, yeah. and I think and I think the newer generations nowadays have um, you know looking at the buy now pay later type of products that's been very very popular they obviously want things now they want it today yeah. uh, and they want to see that growth today they don't want to wait for five or ten years uh, for it to happen not to say all of them but certainly you know uh, property investment is may not necessarily be a, as, an, as attractive option when you know their peers may come back and say hey look at how much I've just made from Dogecoin overnight. <laughs> How much have you made on your investment property? So, you
1: know, and, and and stock markets as well. We have discussed a lot of examples in the stock market, um, likes of Tesla, even the companies that go bankrupt, like Hertz, and their, their share prices still go up. So mm. it's, I think it's just basically, it, it's going to be a different future. I think for the for the younger generations, I think there will be very. And I I feel it to some extent when you meet some of the younger generations and this has already, younger people, uh, this has always been the case that property has never been that affordable. Uh, But I think we we are pushing it so far now where a lot of the younger people basically will just move away from this as an asset class and uh, uh, try and be more active in the other industries or other 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 so-called asset classes like cryptos and all i think in my opinion
0: yeah i think affordability plays a key key thing here like i mean the way i read this is if these big institutions start obviously buying up mom and that types of investments or they're taking over and if they're paying at a premium price because they don't want competition in that sense that's just going to drive prices up and that's what's been reflecting in all that core logic numbers if they've been doing that i can't i I don't know what's what the numbers will be looking like in the next six months or so if they continue to do this right that just means that you know there's going to be less and less competition as mom and dad investors continue to get pushed out of the market let alone the first time investors who want to have a pie of this australian nationwide you know uh, this this, a house in, in australia so it's a scary thought but um you know, at the end of the day, I think, you know, we can see where they're coming from um, in terms of why they're doing this um, because of COVID COVID has changed significantly the landscape of how people invest and what people invest. So um, these these big funds and trusts obviously need to protect themselves to a degree. So, yeah, save as houses as always.
1: Correct. And if you cannot invest in commercial and you cannot invest in cryptocurrencies if you're a fund manager or uh, a hedge fund, then residential becomes very attractive to some extent with work from home uh, concept, especially on top of that. That's that's icing on the cake.
0: All right. Um, mindful of time. Um, anything worth raising commodities, cryptocurrencies this week? Any news that's worth sharing?
1: I think cryptos are starting to uh, look a little bit interesting once again, uh, especially... When I say cryptos, I, 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 especially Ethereum, I think I think it's okay. Ethereum wants to uh, go for another run, it feels like, and make a new all time high. What's um, driving ETH? What's driving ETH is, <laughs> um, I think there's a couple of things. One is these, this um, craze of NFTs in the last couple of months, which is non fungible tokens essentially, you're selling selling digital art basically. Um, I won't go into too much detail of that. And plus obviously a lot of the other financial ramps that are being built on Ethereum or proof of concepts that are being built on on top of Ethereum, like DeFi and all. Mm -hmm. Uh, Together, those two, I think are the big reasons that Ethereum wants to take another leg up. And it won't surprise me if the whole market actually uh, decides to go for another run, a crazy run, to some extent.
0: Okay. Good to know. Good to know. I'm happy for those people who's got ETH already in their pocket. And, uh, you know, certainly certainly we're not... Jazz is not saying that you should buy ETH now. Um, you know, there's, it's not a financial advisor as such, but, uh, yeah, we, we're we basically just expressing his own opinions in terms of what's what's going to be, what's currently happening. So, I don't John, know if, any, yeah? yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I was just going to ask John to see what he's going, the other commodity stuff. But, uh, Jazz, do you want to add anything? That's what to I was there? going to
2: say. John, yeah. anything on commodities? Uh, gold and silver, pretty stable. Um, oil resuming its run to $70, which is which is interesting. Um you, you know the the interesting thing for me is you know is the us dollar harmed by the recent evacuation in afghanistan um because we know that the dollar system is based on power and prestige and influence and i wonder if i wonder if that's uh, going, going to be impacting it so we might see some dollar weakness in which case we might see some uh, commodity strength over the next couple of months Mm-hmm. Costing. yeah yeah but uh, so far nothing uh, particularly interesting yeah on that front
1: that's pretty much it i think for the day uh just remember none of this is financial advice this is all just us brainstorming and speculating a lot of stuff uh like always do your own research uh, play safe stay safe don't over leverage, and we will see you guys next Friday with some other crazy market stuff. I guess. Cheers, John just name it